how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Welcome to the show once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe here from South Florida as we bring you another edition of the program. And we'll take a look at uh, what's going on in the World Series of Poker, talk about a couple of uh, trends and stories out there, and a few hands uh, that we'll get some analysis from Joe on, and uh, just some interesting stuff that I pulled out that uh, we'll take a look at today. Uh, One thing uh, from past results over the last week or so, uh, Joe McKeon that I mentioned was still alive, won a bracelet, uh, another bracelet. Good for him. uh, People... People called it the uh, the champion's curse. Uh, I don't know how much uh, validity we give to that, but uh, he wins the uh, ten thousand limit hold'em uh, championship. Well, uh, I just wanted to say that Joe, ever since he did win the main event, has had you know a lot of successful months, yeah. runs. You know, he wasn't a, a flash in the pan. Uh, you know, one time no, winner not at all. Not and at disappeared. All. Joe Joe's been playing solid poker uh, since his main event victory a couple of years ago, and um, you know, this kind of validates the fact that, that, you know, that he's a main event champion by winning his second bracelet. Absolutely. And uh, a nice field here. Uh, J.C. Tran was a chip leader, I think, when we were on the show last week. And uh, he ends up finishing in fifth place. Uh, Ray Henson was seventh, by the way. He is the current leader in the player of the year race. So he's had several uh, several final tables uh, and uh, doing very well, or at least uh, three, I think, final tables. Uh, Sorrell Mizzy finished in uh, third place, and uh, McKeon beat uh, Jared Tallarico for the title, winning 311000 But uh, we talked a little bit about uh, limit hold'em and that sort of thing versus no limit. And, uh, you know, I guess it's a really a little bit different skill as we talked about last week. Uh, oh, this, yeah, that's right. This was the limit tournament, yeah. correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to approach this a lot differently. You know, there. There's, in my opinion, there's little gainsmanship and limit and limit. You know, if you've got the lead, you've got to keep putting pressure on your opponent to call. While you know, no limit is, is a little different game. You're you're trying to get your opponents to try to get you off your hand, and you're trying to set them up. Uh, in essence, in my opinion, I used to love playing nothing but limit. I thought it was easier than no limit. Now that I switched many years ago, for me, um, you know. Limit is a much tougher game, right? Be, you know, in my opinion, because of the style of play and being that it's been so many years since I started, you know, that I stopped playing limit poker. But just watching it, you know, dealing that game, I know it's on a very small scale, but you know, people are just chasing and chasing and chasing, and uh, you know, you got to wait in this tournament until you get to the big blinds, where at that point it almost plays like no limit. Right. Exactly. Um, We talked about uh, McKeon getting hit with a deck, you know, obviously in his championship, which, of course, you have to do. Uh, Certainly nothing wrong with that, but uh, had a couple of uh, nice hands that uh, really got uh, pretty fortunate with. Uh, When they were down to three-handed play and a big hand against Sorrell Mizzy, uh, he was holding a seven. Uh, There was a seven on the flop and then ace, ace, runner, runner to give him the full house. And and, uh, basically, uh, Mizzy never recovered from that. And uh, so McKeon goes on to win the title in, the, in that event, and uh, certainly uh, 
you know, I, I never thought he was a flash in the pan. So obviously, uh, everyone else like, out there is like I said, expecting I, him to win again. In my opinion, this validates, and I, I, and even though that first one is always special, and you know, that that goes without saying when it's the main event bracelet, but but you know, winning a second a second bracelet kind of lets lets the uh, you know the the. The top crust of the of the poke world know. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm in this for the long haul, and you guys are going to have to deal with me. Right, exactly. Uh, also, the following event was the uh, the ten thousand dollar stud uh, high low championship. What was won by Christopher Vitch, and uh, he defeated Benny Glazer, who won a couple of uh, these last year. Uh, Abe Mosseri was third. Jonathan Duhamel also finished at the final table. But I wanted to talk about one interesting hand from this one as well. Um, there was a, a hand that uh, Vich had 9-7 face up. You know, his two hole cards, obviously, we didn't know what they were at the time. And Glazer had a, pocket, had two, a pair of twos showing. Pair of deuces. Right. So uh, uh, Glazer had to bring in. Vich completed. Glazer raised. Vich called. And then on the fourth street, they had these hands that we mentioned. Twos uh, for Glazer and 9-7 uh, face up from Vich. Uh, not to go every hand by hand, but, but Glazer bet and Vich called. They, they didn't seem to be improving their hand at all. And as it turned out, uh, Vich had pocket sixes, which held up for the win because uh, Glazer was never really able to, uh, to match up. Pair, yeah, he had the pair of deuces, and he was, you know, he was probably trying to represent that he had a set, you know, or that he had three, three of a kind, and, you know, <laughs> his opponent obviously didn't believe him. Right. He said... So. Uh, Vich said, uh, there was really no point in the hand. I think I could have folded before the river because catching, I was catching uh, over cards in, in case he had some sort of pair. And these pots get so big so quickly. He said, I picked up a straight draw on 6th Street. Then I caught a deuce on the end, which obviously was a good card for me because it makes it less likely for him to have a three of a kind. Uh, he had been playing pretty cautiously on the end with two pairs. So I kind of thought he was either going to show me some kind of monster or maybe just a low. I was hoping to chop, and of course for him to miss everything, I was fortunate to scoop that. But in heads-up play, you get stubborn with pairs and hope for the best, and that's part of why I feel like I ran so well to have a hand like that hold up. Yeah, and, and you know that's that's similar to saying you know getting a pocket aces and no and and hold them, and getting four or five callers and they hold up against four or five callers. Right. You know, it's it's. A, same same type of principle. You you most people with aces, especially top players, are not expecting aces to hold up if if you've got five callers in a pot and you know with seven card stud, uh, your opponent seeing your cards, you're seeing theirs. It's it's a little bit of a mind game, and you know uh, that was a great read on his part to think that his sixes were were the best hand, and and obviously they were. Absolutely, uh, a couple of. Uh Friends of the show are still involved in some tournaments, so we'll take a look at some of those, and we'll kind of have a little rooting interest tonight. Uh, there's also a couple other stories that I want to mention. Uh, the, some great coverage. Uh, when you're out there covering this event, and as a writer, you're always looking for some kind of angle, which may not be obvious to a lot of players and that sort of thing, but everybody always wants to say, this is the year of blank, right. you know, whether it's a certain country or a certain type of person or type of player. Uh, this year they're talking about the year of the old-timers that a lot of the, the big-name players, you know, from 10, 15 years ago doing very well, uh, Mattiso and, and uh, you know, 
obviously Negreanu doing well and Eric Seidel and people ne- like that. Negreanu, who's only, what, 41, 42 years yeah, old? Yeah, well, it's an old time. been around right? forever, it seems like. We'd be uh, ancient then, I guess, over there. So I'll get to that. There's also a nice article by uh, Kim Yule on... Uh, on Poker News about uh, is there is it possible to have balance in your life out at the World Series? You know, talking about family life and how they works in. We talked about Bernard Lee and and the way he looks at his family. Uh, no. Jason Mercier obviously married and now his wife is pregnant and okay. she's playing also. Uh, so let me ask you something, Dave. I, I think that I think that question that 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 reporter just asked. Is like the poker answer, you know, the standard poker a- answer. It depends, or so, you know, yeah, exactly. And it depends. It all depends on what what you consider to be balance in your life, right? You know, for me, I don't think balance can even come close to being achieved if I'm out there to play in these tournaments, due to the fact that my mindset, everything is going to be every every ounce of energy is going to be geared to trying to to win a tournament especially if you're in a multi-day tournament where you're going to you know and maybe even starting to sniff that that final table I don't know how you could how you can have balance with your family right. if you've got children uh you know with your wife just trying to have dinner with them the the hours that these tournaments are run so uh, again I don't know how you have ba- I in my particular case I don't know how you could have balance well certainly when you have a family things change for you obviously uh, one of the players talked about how bad he feels sometimes when he goes like to the World Series and leaves the family behind for several weeks, and and uh, you know it's always a tough situation for him. I think Jeremy Osmus uh, mentioned, you know, I was a big sports fan, but now my favorite sport is soccer, six-year-old girls soccer, as it turns out. Yeah. You know, so so those those things work into your life as well. Exactly. You know. Th- that would be a matter of no balance because you'd have to disrupt the life of your family, of your children, and what they're doing, especially at this time of the year when everybody's out of school. Now, you know, I go back to remembering something, and I believe it was the grinder, uh, you know, maybe it was four, five, six years ago when he was having some great success out there, and the family was with him, and then he took like a week or 10 days off from playing in the tournaments and then went into California and kind of turned it into, well, he didn't turn it into, he made it a vacation for his family. Right. And allowed him to step away from this and enjoy this with his wife then. And, you know, but again, I can't even come close to imagining if if you stay in your hotel room and you stay in Vegas to play in these tournaments, how you can possibly balance your, your life with a wife, and even less so with a wife and children right. involved. So yeah, very tough. Uh, well, let's get into it. Uh, some of the events we're looking at right now. Event forty-seven is a fifteen hundred dollar monster stack, and uh, six thousand seven hundred players uh, in this one. Sixty-seven, sixteen was the total. Actually, they are down to eleven. Uh, just went, just came, just coming back from a break. Uh, heading into the day, chip leader Stoyan Obreshkov. Uh, with 11.3 million chips, Stan Lee, Joldis Cosman. But uh, the ones we're looking at, Will the Thrill Fayilla, still alive, 5.4 million going into the day. And Maurice Hawkins, 3.5. Uh, we got a hand to talk, look at that Maurice played earlier in the month uh, uh, that caused kind of a little tiff at the table, and I want to talk about that one as well. But um, they are down now to 11 players. Uh, just came back from a break. Uh, Cosman was just eliminated in 12th place, making 75000 
Uh, chip leader, still a Breshkov, went up and down, but he's got the lead back. And uh, Maurice Hawkins is it. Uh, Breshkov is $13.5 million. Maurice, $8.5 million, so he's still in good shape. And Will the Thrill, $7.6 million. So uh, uh, these guys are condition. in, in uh, very good shape here. Uh, there's 11 players left. Uh, Yulian Kolev, uh, the lowest uh, chip stack with 3.6. So really even, nobody really <coughs> short stacked. Yeah, but even at 3.6, I don't know. They didn't mention what the blind level is at coming back off uh, the break by any chance. 150000 300000 Okay, so he's looking at just over 10 big blinds, 12 big blinds. He still can make, make a strong move there. I mean, one double up and... and you're right in the middle of that pack, if not above it. So right. that's that's gonna that's gonna lead for a very good uh, finals there on that on that monster stack. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Also, event fifty, we're looking at the fifteen hundred no limit bounty tournament, mainly because a good friend of ours, Chris Bolick, uh, still alive. They entered the field uh, with uh, twenty nine players left. And they are down to 13, and Chris still alive in there. Uh, some of the players that uh, headed into the day, um, Harrison Gimble, who has since been eliminated, he was uh, over a million chips. Uh, Tobias Peters in there, Jake Baisley, Tom Hall, and uh, Chris entered the day with 457,000. The chip leader was, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Gimble, just over a million. So, uh, in pretty good shape. They are now playing. Uh, uh, with 11 players, would I say 11? No, 13 players left in that one. And uh, we'll take a look at that one. Let's see. Uh, lost my page here. Um, but uh, Chris has obviously been on the show, co-hosted several times. So we knew we're not there. 13 players remaining. I'm sorry. Uh, and we'll look at the chip counts here. Um, Thomas Lutz is the chip leader in that one. Uh, 2.4 million. And Chris is down near the bottom now, 625,000. But the 13 players left, he's in 11th place. Okay. So Come on, Chris. Double up a few times Yeah, there. he's still alive there. Also, um, we'll look at uh, one other tournament that's going on now. So um, 51 is the pot limit, 10,000, PLO, 8 or better. Uh, Josh Arie, the chip leader. Uh, going into the final day today with 15 players, but uh, the interesting thing is Chris Ferguson is still alive in that one, and a uh, pretty, pretty decent chip stack uh, going into that one. Ray Henson uh, is also uh, playing in this tournament as well, and Mark Herm still alive as well. So uh, that's event 51, and uh, we'll keep alive. Take a look at all these. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it, 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 it's nice. We know it's winding down. <laughs> we know it's winding down. Yeah, but down. You, you talk about fifty. We still got uh, there's twenty 70, more, seventy four. So we yeah. still got a couple of weeks. Uh, the main event obviously starts on July eighth. So uh, here we are, still uh, running down toward the end of June, and there's several several tournaments left. But uh, wanted to talk about a couple of hands. Uh, let's start off with uh, we'll have a hand that we talked about uh, before the show with uh, Stacy Madison who is a good friend of ours, that uh, wrote in to Facebook about her hand. And I want to talk about that. But I, I wanted to start with a tournament um, from the marathon, or a hand from the marathon, with Maurice Hawkins and Tim Riley. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes you just get unbelievable coolers that there's uh, no way of getting around it. But in the last uh, hand before the, the, the break, the dinner break, and... Uh, it's one of those things that uh, 
How do you look at the when it gets down to a break? You know, a lot of players, obviously, if they're not in the hand, they get up and walk away. So you might be playing a hand, and you might be the only two at the table, as it turned out, as it turns out, because people are ready. Walk, to yeah, they're because when this hand is over, the break, the break has started, but it's already started. Do so. you have a personal outlook heading toward a break that uh, you just want to get to it, maybe not play a bunch of hands, or do you want to make something big happen right before? Uh, to be honest, may, with maybe you. even uh, put your stack on the line because you want to maybe get out of there for some reason? Well, let me tell you something. You seem to have, I could have, che- I could have put a check next to almost all of your comments there because I've had all of those feelings, experiences there. You know, if I'm running really good and someone's run, you know, maybe someone just took a bad beat a hand or two earlier, they may, they, they may be steaming right now. So if, I'm, if I've got a hand that I think I could take advantage of them, I try to. Uh, sometimes the break is coming right on the money money uh, money bubble. Also, it all depends on the, on the situation that that you're at. You know, if you're short stacked, you know, and I know this is not the way you want to be thinking to really win a tournament. But sometimes you put in so much effort that it it, it for me, you know, it's a little disappointing not to at least cash if I've come right. within a couple of players of that slot. So. Um, it depends again, as we always say in the in the in the poker world. The the answer depends. Uh, right, right. Uh, yes, and I've also been so short stacked that that uh, that I was looking at you know going wanting to go home. Now a, a particular tournament that I wound up doing very well in, uh, and I've seen this myself also was I had taken a you know a tremendous bad beat, you know, and I said, oh the hell with this, you know. I put in enough hours here already, you know, time to go do something else and just blindly go all in. And, you know, before you know it, you've doubled up four or five times and you find yourself, now you find yourself, you know, back in the top 10 of chip counts. And now, you know, your, your, your thought process obviously changes and you're thinking, all right, now, you know, Hey, this, this is, uh, you know, karma, you know, karma paying me back for, you know, for, you know, losing that hand to a one out or something. Right, right. So, uh, I don't know. Have you put? Have you been in this situation in the past? Well, I, it does happen to me sometimes because I, I patience is a big problem for me. And if I've been really wore out, if I don't have something, uh, you know, a really good chip stack, then I might just be ready to spew some chips off and get the hell out of there. <laughs> I, I definitely feel that. But. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just wondering uh, if everybody else is getting up and walking away to the dinner break and you're still there playing. Sometimes that can affect your decisions. I, It's never affected me. I mean, I've played somebody heads up where everybody else has got out. Either he raised, I raised, and we decided to see a flop, and, you know, the hand played out from there. Um, I don't know. Speaking about myself, it really doesn't change whether whether I've got a crowd watching or not. I'm going to play my hand to 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 the strengths that I think I have uh within the hand and my read on my opponent and what I'm putting putting him or her on so for me it doesn't change now I would have to imagine that for some people it does you know um they may be my, my only thought process there Dave is that someone may get a lot more aggressive being that there aren't so many eyes watching right, right. with a much weaker hand yeah, exactly. you know so in case he loses and busts out you're not going to be embarrassed that's right uh, people aren't going to be there to see that to be honest with you so 
that would be my only thing that you would really change your style of play because if you're if you've got a strong stack and you're playing a medium stack, you don't want to give your chips away just for the sake of giving them away. Right. You know. Besides, you know, if you do make a move, nobody's there to see it. You can't put you can't plant a seed in someone's mind. You know, if they're not there to see something, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you know, that's one of the part of that I used to love watching Daniel Negrano play certain hands, where he says, "I know I'm losing, but I'm going to call you because I want to see your cards." Right. You know, and I never thought, I didn't think about that then, and then I said, you know, that's pretty genius with the, the amount of money he had. He just wanted to see if his read on on the opponent was correct. Yeah. And then he'd set him up for later on down the road. So. You know. Well, let's get back to this hand. The situation was 22 players left in the marathon, which is a tournament of over 7,000 players. Uh, the guaranteed payoff at the time was 21,000 plus uh, 690k for first. Uh, okay. So they're headed for the break. Uh, Maurice has a, a healthy stack of around 4 million chips, and this other player, Tim Riley, has uh, about an average stack, 1.2 million. So. Uh, the flop is, uh, or, or, there was another player in the hand, Jeffrey Turton, opened with a raise to 65000 uh, Hawkins 3-bet to 155 k had pocket aces. Uh, Riley called from the button with king-queens of spades. Okay. And, and the other player folded. So uh, right here, Hawkins says, uh, you know, what he's thinking. He says, uh, this hand never should have happened. He cold-called a three-bet out of the big blind for 20% of his stack with king-queen. It's not a good spot for the long run. Uh, Riley says, uh, you know, he'd been sizing up my big blind. Uh, he made it 155 with a big blind at 30,000. He assumed he was a- I assumed he was attacking my big blind again. Uh, he said, king-queen suited. In the big blind is a hand I'm never folding, even to 5x. Uh, I'd probably still flat his 3-bet because the original opener didn't have a 4-bet bluffing range. I didn't see the open, thought we were heads up, and as soon as I called and saw the other guy, I thought maybe it could go bad. But he ended up folding, so we went heads up to the flop. Okay, the flop comes ace of spades, jack of diamonds, ten of spades. <laughs> you start to see this so coming, So he hits can't the you? Broadway. So he flops the he flops the Broadway straight uh, and has a flush draw too. Right, uh, straight flush draw actually. Right. Uh, he says I, I flopped the nuts and at this point uh, Maurice had been three betting pretty narrow with aces kings or ace king. I checked to him and he bets, which is this is all great background knowledge on on the thoughts because usually when we analyze a hand we don't know what's happened before. But he said I'm pretty sure he has either aces or ace king, possibly ace jack. Right. And I, but I call. Uh, the turn brought the jack of hearts. Oh, he's done. So Maurice now has the aces full. Aces full. Aces over jack. Second nuts. So Maurice explains. I had I had the boat. Uh, all the hands I have, they are boats. Uh, Riley checked, and and I bet a quarter of his stack. And of course he called. Uh, Riley's thought uh, the turn was a jack, which I absolutely hated. He said, because he was either three-betting light with ace-jack or he has aces, then he's probably going to check back anything else. So I checked there. He bets again, and at this, this point I know I, I'm beat, but I can't fold the turn, he says. Why? He Can said, I just hope that... Why? If, you, if you're putting your opponent, it makes no sense to me. If you're putting your opponent on aces or ace-jack, 
you are looking for the ten that completes the the ten or the jack that completes your straight flush, your royal, mm -hmm. correct? So he's drawing to one card at at best, putting on what, on what he's thinking that Maurice has. Right. That's an easy fold. Um. Well, as it turns out, uh, the river is the jack of spades. So he so catches this, his he miracle catches card. the miracle card, the one the one outer, and. Uh, after the hand was over and uh, Maurice saw it, he said, that look of shock on his face was pretty amazing. I'm not sure what he expects me to have when I call on the turn. Most likely I have a jack, which gives me quads. Uh, he has the third nuts on the river at this point. There aren't any hands that I'm going to call a river shove that don't beat him. Uh, Hawkins says, uh, Riley said, looked at me and said, this ain't the circuit. Go back to the circuit. Now, this really pisses him off, obviously. Oh, of course. Uh, this so guy's talking a lot of garbage. Listen, like, like Maurice said, he shouldn't have been three-calling with a king-queen there, especially if he mentions in his, in his comments that Maurice has been three-betting with, with aces, kings, and queens. And he's got a king-queen. In any of those scenarios, he's completely dominated. At best case would be the queens that he could, he could hit a naked king. He catches the flop. Jack hits, his own words are, oh, he's got aces or an ace jack. So you're putting the man on a full house, and you're going to call his bet to a one-outer. Mm -hmm. And then you want to uh, you, needle your opponent? I, I, well, supposedly, uh, Riley came back and said that that was on a different hand when I said that to him. Uh, I oh, called, okay. He called with king high, and he had four high. And he said, I, he says to me, you're so bad, you're so bad. And he said, that's when I said, this isn't the circuit, buddy. Don't come and talk shit to me because I'm going to bring it right back at you. So there, well, yeah, this Maurice, is building Well, up. listen, to, to defend Tim right now, Maurice has been known to <laughs> try to needle, right? to needle people himself. I, I thought when you said that this isn't the circuit, that he was saying that after that, you know, the one, the one outer that he caught there. But, uh, yeah, you know, listen. Uh, not having been at Maurice's table <laughs> for any extended amount of time when when he's running well, uh, yeah, I'm sure he can get under your skin. But you know, listen, you you played this hand for the most part bad, and just got very lucky. And you know, from there, you just gotta thank the thank the poker gods and move forward. Right. And I don't know did, how long did he survive. Uh, I don't have the uh, exact thing. But, you know, so, yeah. I know he made it down to, Maurice made it to ninth. I don't know how Riley did. But uh, he kind of explained it away by saying, uh, you know, uh, I, I never, he says I never met the guy in my life. It seems that he's a Twitter follower of mine, that uh, some kind of a fan. So he was caught in between trying to be a fan and who he truly is. <laughs> and uh, he said, I looked him up, and that's when I realized uh, this someone is, who I thought sorry, was... This, this, is, is, Maurice this is Maurice speaking, saying. okay. I looked him up, and that's when I realized he's someone who I thought was one of my supporters, but basically lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, Riley says, you know, he's this guy lies more than anybody I've met. He knows who I am. Uh, we played together at PCA. I think he busted me in, like, 20th place. So... So they seem to have a history there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Tim definitely remembers who Maurice is. Right. Uh, you know, either Maurice knows who Tim is, and my guess is 
Maurice knows who Tim is. Yeah. He just doesn't want to give him any 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 uh, any free publicity there. So uh, Maurice finally says, you know, the hand wasn't the catalyst. That's not why I got angry. Uh, it was for him saying, go back to the circuit. And he said, well, I, I have no problem going back to a place where I make half a million dollars a year. <laughs> that's that's a tremendous response to give him back. Right. You know, uh, you know, listen, I'd be happy to know that I got under somebody's skin. You know, that they're already, I've, I'm already in your head when you're telling me to go back to the circuit. Right. You've already lost to me. You've already lost. I, I, I just, I'm just too lazy to reach over and grab those chips at this moment. But, right. but you've already lost those chips. But I thought it was an interesting article because, you know, a lot of times you see big hands. You don't really get the feeling, but they interviewed both players and they, they spilled their guts, basically. They said everything they were thinking. And uh, I find that very interesting. Yeah, well, listen. This is this is what we're looking for. This this WSOP is lacking the uh, the Kasuf element so far. So, far. Yeah, so exactly. let's see if we can we can rustle that up. Okay, let's take a break on the program. We'll take another look at another hand uh, that Stacy played, our good friend Stacy Madison, and uh, the response on Twitter, and uh, we'll see if she made the right decision in that one. Uh, we'll also uh, update uh, what's going on over there and talk about the old timers. Uh, it's been a pretty good series for some of the old guys. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, coming to you from South Florida. And we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. Other groundbreaking ideas from that time, the whalebone corset, the pedal-operated submarine, and the two-story outhouse. We've come a long way since then. It's time our light bulbs did the same. Visit energysavers.gov and learn about energy-saving light bulbs. See, these new bulbs are more efficient than the old ones, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. They last longer, too, like how we humans last longer now that doctors use antibiotics instead of leeches. And they cut down on our energy costs, because in our own groundbreaking age of aeroplanes and moving pictures, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. We'll get back to that other hand in just a minute. Coming up on the 4th of July. Uh, and this year it's a little bit different because uh, in South Florida this is like the 20-year anniversary of the start of, uh, you know, poker here in, in South Florida. Although it was... Uh, you know, quarter fifty cent in the beginning, ten, uh, you know, ten dollar pot limit. Yeah. It's changed a lot since then, but uh, you know, for the longest time, people wanted to have poker and they never could here uh, outside yeah, of the Indians. You know, I didn't even think about that, but now that you mention it, on um, June twentieth is when we officially opened the the poker room, the the Crystal Card Room at Miami okay. Highlight twenty years ago. So yeah, yeah wow. pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. 
But and and how far have we come in those twenty years from a quarter fifty cent betting structure with a ten dollar pot restriction? Yeah. You know, it's it's. Uh, I still remember. Uh, that's when the paramutuals did it. Remember the uh, the Indians started. The Indians started um, in ninety two, April yeah. of April first or second of ninety two. And I remember my first trip ever out to Vegas was in 94, and I sat at a poker table with people telling me, oh, you're playing that Penny Annie game. That, that's so <laughs> stupid. How, how did they even get people to do that? So it's, it, we've come a long way. Uh, one of the people that's uh, been there from the very beginning and someone you've worked with is Ileana Zamora over at the Magic City. She's been in charge of that room since the very beginning. Yep. And uh, people come, people go, but a uh, pretty big accomplishment to be in charge of a room for yeah, 20 well, years. Since you know, not. Her and Noah, the three of us up until I got let go a few years ago, were the only three that were still oh, Noah, left. Noah started on... Uh, Noah was, okay. the, was the original person there at West Palm Beach Kennel Club. Now it's him and... Because I know at Gulfstream, I'm not sure if Scott was there from the original. No, I, don't I don't think, think so. Scott was, no. but but uh, I know Ileana, Noah, myself. You know, we we were all, you know, the the, the first poker room managers, and uh, you know, congratulations to Ileana and to Noah for lasting 20 years now. Ileana's been at, getting close to 21 because they opened up in no, in October of '96. Who did the, uh, Ilya, the Magic? Well, Flagler Dog Track back then. Now Magic City in '96. Yes, oh, they okay. opened up. They opened up in uh, in '96. Okay. Well, officially, the July 1st is what they're celebrating their 20 years of poker. So uh, they're having thousand dollar high hands, which I guess is pretty common right at this very moment. That uh, not f- I, the Hard Rock I know is doing sim- something similar, but not for but Magic City. It's yeah, not, right. not for Magic City. They've they've got a. Uh, They've got a great thing going there in the sense, Dave, that they've got a built-in clientele that just is very loyal, loves where they're at. They're in a great location, center of town. And, you know, hey, they, they have been successful for many years, and sometimes that's all you have to be. Anyway, I think, I'm, be. I think I'm going to be headed down there Saturday. Uh, they are running a couple different promotions over the month of July, including a uh, uh, quad squad, if they're going to keep track of your the times you have quads uh, during the month, and the person with the most wins ten thousand dollars at the end of the month. Then they pay the top five people. This is in Magic City. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't hear about that promotion. Uh, also, they're going to do the thousand dollar high hands every thirty minutes from ten a.m. through five a.m. on Saturday. I think I'm going to check it out on Saturday. I, I need to interview uh, Eliana for the magazine, and uh, we'll check it out. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention about them was. Uh, in May they uh, they did eight hundred and twenty thousand, which is huge. That is that is real huge. I mean, I remember they had hit seven hundred thousand a couple of times, and which was an unbelievable number. And with the competition now, remember, uh, you know, which is great because that to me tells me they've picked up a lot of Miami highlights, highlight and and. Hylia. Uh, well, is still doing some unbelievable numbers. They really are. Um, but that they've also picked up a lot of uh, Mikasuki's people since they cut their staff in half. Right. Now, w- going forward, we're going to have to see because of the Florida City poker room that t- t- just opened and that my partner will be working at as an announcer with some of their highlight games over there. See if, if that puts a little dent I believe that the people that will hurt the most is Mikasuki, which right. 
I will not be surprised if they close that room down within a year if that room becomes successful down in Florida City. About three weeks ago, I went down there during the day, just check it out, and they had one table going. Mikasuki? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've cut their staff, morale there. They Listen, that's a place that's first ever in the state of Florida to open up, and they've never been able to get it right as far as, you know, how to run that damn room. They had a gold mine there and just to have pissed it away, in my yeah. opinion. Well, that's unfortunate. But uh, anyway, I'm going to check that out, so we'll have a report on that next week. Uh, I did want to get to this. Oh, by the way, I also want to mention the Seminole Hard Rock uh, Big tournament with the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open is in August. Uh, I'm starting to work on a story for that as well. And uh, that's all coming up. We'll run down the schedule over the next couple of weeks. But uh, the uh, Super High Roller is on August 8th. Uh, The main event, which is the 5250 tournament, starts on uh, uh, August 11th. And they have the uh, Jeff Conine Celebrity Poker Classic on August 7th, uh, presented by uh, Matt Stout's group, the Charity Series of Poker. So uh, we'll be checking out some of that stuff and talking about that over the next month. A uh, good friend, friend of ours that's been on the show a few times this year, uh, Stacy Madison, uh, back out in Vegas to try to uh, see if she can uh, pull another uh, deep run in the main event. But she's playing in a few other tournaments, and she sent in a hand, and there was some talk. Nick Sordle wrote in about it and asked a few questions, and there was a lot of response uh, on uh, Facebook, so I wanted to run that down. Um, three hours into the, an $1,100 tournament at the win, uh, she started with 15k. She said, a couple hours later, she's at 70k, and right before the dinner break, she's at 160. She had lost a, a good chunk of that, but earned it back. And uh, talks about this hand here. She's at 170k. This is not. You got to preface this for our listeners out there. She had a few hands earlier taken a bad, you know, she, you know, taking kind of a bad beat. You know, she got hit in a cooler hand. She got in a cooler hand, and then right away tripled back up. Right. You know, so she's she's feeling confident again. You know that 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 all has been righted in the, in the poker world, and then this hand happens. Right. She's at 170k. There was another uh, player involved in that had 180k. Uh, blinds at 4,000 and 8,000. Uh, the chip leader uh, in the event bet 17,000. She called with pocket fours on the button. Uh, a short stack uh, raised all in to 34K, and, and both these two big hands called. Uh, the flop came king of clubs, queen of hearts, eight of clubs. Uh, he checked, uh, the player she's going up against checked, she checked, and uh, the turn card uh, is the four. Is a four. So she, uh, tr- so she triples up, <laughs> or, or uh, she, uh, she, she makes a set. set. Uh, the other player checks. Uh, she said, I bet small, not looking strong at all purposely. Uh, player looked me up and down, uh, finally flat called. Uh, the river is the queen of diamonds. So going back, the board is king, queen, queen, eight, four. Mm-hmm. She has pocket fours. So she, what she has is a full house. Four is full. Right. Uh, so uh, he checks on the river. Uh, and she makes a value bet of 40000 And he goes in the tank for, she says, seven or eight minutes. Finally, he goes all in. Uh, she says she's looking at it. And she says... Uh, 
the way the hand was played, uh, you know, I think he's got maybe ace-queen at best. Right. Which is which is the hand that I would most likely put him on since he took a raise and didn't re-raise because the pot was opened. If he bet 17, the other player went all in for 34. The pot was, you know, was then reopened for him to, to raise Stacy and isolate himself with the, the all-in. He just smooth called. Right. So, you know... This I I don't think I could put on this man on anything much more than ace queen, you know, especially the way the hand was played out and and everything that was just described by Stacy. She's thinking to herself, does he have king queen? She said, I don't think he, he didn't play it like that. Uh, she said, it feels like a complete bluff, or he has maybe ace queen and is thinking I'm full of crap. Uh, she has 90k invested in the hand with 60k behind. Uh, with her full house, fours over uh, queens. And the pot now over 330K. So, as it turns out, he goes she into this long... Call, right? She yeah. makes the call, right? Right. She makes the call, and uh, she's wondering if she did the right thing. Well, obviously, she lost a hand, because otherwise we probably wouldn't be talking about it. But Right, but the uh, gentleman was holding pocket kings. Pocket kings. Now, he went in the tank, uh, I guess, to try to get her whole stack, if he had immediately... As a lot of players mentioned, if he had immediately, uh, you know, go, you know, gone all in. If he had snapped, gone all in, you know, then she might have had to think, "Whoa, well, what's he got?" And, and listen, I, I think you know, and, and we've read a lot of the different comments, and mm -hmm. uh, the large majority of them agree with 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 what I, I told you before I even read one of them was that you know I think this gentleman played this perfectly. You know, he set her up. If she did have a strong hand, you know, and and obviously not the the quad queens, which would have been the nuts, but you were hoping he, he was hoping she had the exact same hand, and that he would give off that vibe that he was trying to push her off of that hand, or thought that ace queen was good, and let's not forget, you know, it's been a little less than a year that we saw all saw, you know, the the Kasuf and Stacy hand. Where Kasuf got her off her hand, Stacy could have, you know, he could have been put planting that seed and gotten her to call with a much weaker hand. I mean, in her situation, I'm not folding force full. Right. Uh, you know, the way you played that hand, you know, hey, you, you applaud the person, you say, hey, congratulations on the win, and and you played that like a champion. So there's nothing wrong with him. Going in the tank, maybe it's a little excessive. But, okay, uh, maybe seven or eight minutes, it's a little long. But guess what? You know, you have to set the trap, and you know, no one knows how much time that really is. You you kind of kind of gauge it yourself. And um, again, I don't see any situation. I don't think it was that bad. I, I, I listen. I would have liked to known if there was a clock, an actual clock on them, because I know sometimes when you're waiting for someone to make a decision, it seems like it's seven or eight, ten minutes, and it might have been three or four, uh, you know. So, again, I don't see anything wrong if it was seven or eight minutes, like Stacy said. You know, uh, I have no reason to doubt her. I would just say, hey, I think he played that. To me, he played that perfectly, and and she could. This hand was going to play out what this way. Either way, in my opinion, because if he if he takes thirty seconds and goes all in, I think Stacy is still calling him. The only way that she may not call him is if he snap goes all in right away. Right. That's that's the only thing, and 
I would put that at about a 10 to 15% chance of that happening. Uh, you know, that maybe Stacy had something stored in the back of her memory, remembering what this guy did, if he had done that something before, and showed an absolute monster. But outside of that, I believe the results were going to be the same regardless. Well, Nick Sortle, our friend of uh, writer for the Herald, who admits that he's not a player on that level, you know, of, of a lot of these players, but uh, and says he's an amateur player. But he said he he found a couple of problems. And uh, first, when she hit her set, that maybe she should have made a much larger bet to see wh- where she stood. Uh, and then when she hit the the full house, um, you know, well. She, she, maybe, here, maybe here's she the only should have pro- called. And you, or, know, how much I I, mean, uh, you know how much I love Nick, and, and I love everything that Nick does. You know, um, Here's the situation with that. If she had made a much larger bet, I don't think this gentleman would have played it any differently. Yeah. You know, if she had made it, let's say, 70000 instead of twenty five, okay, he thinks about it and makes a smooth call because he knows he's got her absolutely crushed. He knows he's got her absolutely crushed. He's still gonna he's still gonna faint weakness at that point, because she would not be doing. She would have if she had wanted to try to like an open-ended straight, she would have played at that flop, trying to get him off his hand, trying to build that flop, knowing that there are two cards to come. Now she makes the move on a on a on a what seems like an innocent, you know, non-dangerous four that comes up on the turn. I I don't see you know I understand Nick's point there. If he had bet into her and she had raised him and then he had recalled or re-raised her. But this hand I th- would have played out the same way. Whether she bet fifty, seventy-five thousand, he was just going to call that bet. Because he knew at that point he had her dominated. And right. he wasn't going to give any information away at that point. She mentions, uh, of course, she's good friends with the grinder and runs a lot of hands by him. She told him about it, and he said uh, if he had been, if it had been him or if he would have been there, he would have punched the guy. I think that's the grinder <laughs> being a gentleman and being, uh, you know, trying to stand up for Stacy, especially after what happened last year. And uh, but I think, I, you know, I think if you honestly talk with the grinder, he's going to tell you the same thing again. Could it have been a little excessive the time wait period? You know, maybe. But what's you know, if it had been two or three minutes less, it still would have seemed like an eternity, and you're still going to make that call, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, bottom line, it worked uh, yeah. for him, and uh, you know, if he if he if he plays his reaction quickly. You know, maybe she drops, maybe she folds. Like you I said, in my opinion, so. it would have been a 10 to 15% chance at, at best that she lets that hand go, you know, unless she had seen him do that once or twice before. Yeah. That this guy snap, 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 went all in and, uh, you know, showed the nuts. Yeah. You know, then you've got to tell on this gentleman and, and you, you, you reluctantly throw away those fours. But uh, other uh, barring that, you know, 90%, I think, of the people who wrote in there said they, she couldn't get away from that hand. And I I, I have to agree with them. Yeah. I, I don't see how she could have gotten away from that hand the way it was played out. Okay. Uh, just interesting, the thought process as we go through it. But, uh, you know, that was, that was the end. And she still got a shot, you know, obviously, at playing the main event and trying to uh, recapture some of the magic of last year, <laughs> if she well, can. Well, listen, she's, she's, she's getting her stacks way up there, so good for her. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take our uh, last break on the program. When we come back, uh, we'll update some of those events, and uh, we'll take a look at the, uh, the year of the old-timer and uh, talk a little bit about that as well. 
And uh, we'll finish things up here on another edition of the program. Don't forget that you can always pick us up uh, on, uh, well, obviously iTunes, or you can go to our website, uh, PokerActionLine.com. You can get us on Hold'em Radio Network. Uh, you can also uh, go to SoundCloud and pick us up there. Stitcher, any place you get your podcasts and, and hear the show every week. Uh, as the series winds down, we'll be lining up uh, some people when they get back to town. And obviously, uh, people will be coming here in August. So we'll look forward to having a great summer of uh, interviews and, and fun shows when everybody gets uh, the World Series out of the way. But uh, certainly, uh, we hope you'll stick around and, and join us every week. Uh, Good thing on iTunes is just hit the subscribe button and then you'll get the downloaded every time you uh, open iTunes for some of your other music and stuff and you'll have it in the background there for you, for you to pick up. Anyway, we'll be back and finish up the program when we return. Uh, Poker Hall of Fame uh, nominations also uh, just around the corner as well. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Big Dave and Joe from South Florida, Poker Action Line. We'll be back to finish up the program when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the show. Uh, taking a look at a couple of the events. Uh, the Monster Stack uh, down to 11 players. Both our uh, friends uh, Will Fiella and Maurice Hawkins still alive. In fact, they're in fourth and fifth place chip-wise. 
Thomas Ryan has taken over the chip lead as 19 million chips. Uh, Will the Thrill with 10.6 million. Maurice with uh, 8.5 million. Dave, I hate to interrupt you here, but you know I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Will and 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 Maurice somehow wind up head to head for the title. There, that would be wild. <laughs> you uh, understand? Two real that might be there, the no most question. talked about bracelet uh, for for years. You know, if those two get head to head. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Thomas Ryan's still the chip leader in that one. Event 50 is the bounty. And uh, Chris Bolick's still alive at in 11th place, 625,000. There's 13 players left in that one. Uh, I think they were been on a dinner break, so that really has not advanced uh, too far as far as that goes. And we'll take a look at the PLO 8 or better event. Uh, see if uh, Chris Ferguson's still in there. And he is. There's uh, 10 players left there. Ferguson... Uh, in fifth place in chips, uh, 1.125 million. Jeremy Joseph is the chip leader at 1.77. Josh Arie has fallen out of the lead, but he is in second with 1.6. So we'll uh, probably not get any more updates there. They're right around dinner time out there as we do the show. But uh, uh, certainly some great action, Joe, uh, this year. I know you've been following it a little bit. And uh, uh, just to give you an idea of this article, this resurgence of the old timers is an article, a nice article by Kim Yule, and uh, Mike Mattiso has been uh, running deep in events. He's he's uh, made three final tables in ten thousand dollar events, uh, narrowly Mike. missing another. Uh, Phil Helmuth has six caches, including one final table, uh, just missing the final table of the one drop. Barry Greenstein eight caches. Uh, Daniel Grano, eight caches. So, uh, you know, some of these big-name players have been doing well. Uh, Negrano also has three final tables, and he's uh, fourth on the Player of the Year leaderboard. Of course, David Bach uh, won two bracelets, uh, one bracelet piece for David Pham, Frank Casella, and uh, David Which Singer. Which was a former Player of the bracelet. Year, no, Frank? Wasn't Frank also? Yeah, he was yeah. back in 2010. Um, any thoughts as to, uh, you know, all the... Year after year, we see all these young players, players that we haven't heard of, uh, ones that, and we talk about, you know, it's a little tough on some of the older older guys in some of these long tournaments, uh, you know, stamina-wise. But uh, what do you think about uh, some of this? Well, it's obvious that none of these guys have lost their skills, uh, you know, have forgotten how to play this game. It just, to me, it's a testament to their to, to their longevity as to, you know, these guys are still making final tables, you know, caches. Uh, you know, to me, it just validates who they are. You know, their place in, in, in poker history. You know, as we as we mentioned, Daniel was either last year or the year before Hall of Famer. You know, making three final tables, eight caches. You know, these these guys are great poker players. You understand and and. They're 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 gonna fight. <laughs> they're not gonna go into that good night very gentle. Yeah, they're gonna be absolutely. fighting and uh, trying to take your head off and and take those take those chips that are in front of you. And guess what? I think poker needs that almost as much as it needs the new blood and 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 more women playing in it. Yeah, I you know, agree. You, you need to you need to let people know that you know if you put the time and effort into it and you keep learning about this game and evolving with the game, with the changes of the game. I mean, you know, 
uh, you know, a, a royal flush is still a royal flush. A full house is still a full house. And, you know, pocket aces are pocket aces. None of that has changed since the beginning of time uh, since we started with poker. It's just how you play those hands now and how you get to those levels. And, you know, so they've had to adjust. The young people put pressure on them. They seem to have made the adjustment to move forward and make these caches and make final tables. And uh, I think it would do the poker world real good if you would see every year one or two of them, maybe even three of them, winning a bracelet. You know, just to right. let people know, hey, this can still be done at a different age. So, And yeah, listen, going back, excuse me to interrupt you there, Dave, but last week we mentioned how in the Super Seniors, the same person, the first-time eligible person who won last year, came back to defend his right, title and took it down out of a group of 1,700. So absolutely, there, there, there's still a fire burning in those in this, us old guys. Well, Frank Casella, who you mentioned, uh, Player of the Year in 2010, uh, didn't hear from him for a while, but he's playing very well this year. Uh, had some interesting comments. He said, "I think for a few years there was a huge surge of internet wizards uh, coming into the game with all new kinds of styles of play." Uh, stuff that took us some of us older players time to adjust to. That's but correct. A, but a lot of the more experienced players have been able to adapt to those st- strategies. He said, we all talk, uh, we all read, we, we try to get better at what we do. The experience just makes you better. Yeah, and it takes a little time to implement your the changes in your own style of play to accommodate. And, I, and when I say the word accommodate, I mean to learn merely more the style of your new, younger opponent more aggressive opponent than you've known before, you know? So, you know, you're going to have to learn to take your, your bumps and bruises again. And, you know, right. some of these people, didn't, nobody enjoys that when you're first learning this game, you know? And it almost it's almost a frustrating point, Dave, where you're going, holy cow, I feel like I'm, you know, back at uh, day one of learning this thing when I've been playing this stupid game for 20 years, you know? <laughs> and you get frustrated because... You know, some young person, you know, has has changed how this game is played now and has put you in an uncomfortable situation. And it's not only put you in an uncomfortable situation, it's put you in a situation where you, you've got to go back to school and learn. Yeah. Uh, Casella's other point was he said uh, so many times uh, uh, when the way you play is so much more important than the cards you play. He said you have to have an instinct for three three betting out of position. Observing how fast the chips go into the pot, how many cards are being drawn, and comparing your opponent's boards. And sometimes you just have to fire a stand pat. So uh, Mike Mattiso says uh, he compares, uh, you know, some of these tournaments to a cash game. He said uh, you're allowed to sit back and be patient. You don't have to move chips around as much. And that's why you're seeing top cash game players do so well. Well, It it has kind of gone to that style. Uh, That's a great analogy by Mike well, uh, certainly uh, nice to see some of those guys. I, I, I personally, I, I enjoy seeing the big names do well. I like seeing the new blood and and some interesting players. But I think people that watch the game and fans, they want to see their old favorites. Uh, guys like Phil Ivey coming back this year is going to play the main event. He's been out there playing a lot of cash games over at Bobby's room at the Bellagio, but uh, he's going to play the main event this year. Doyle Brunson is not going to play this year. He said. Uh, it's a hundred billion to one uh, the chances of him <laughs> playing this year. So uh, he's definitely not uh, not going to be around to play I that. I think it's too long a grind for, yeah. for Bronson now. And I his mean, health you know. is not great. So, uh, but Phil Ivey is back there. Of course, Phil is uh, is uh, you know up for uh, Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Hall of Fame inductions just around the corner as well. 
Well, I, I, you can't imagine someone who's more qualified. <laughs> I think he meets all those criteria and crushes them all. So, um, but you know, one one last thought on that. You know, with the old timers, uh, Dave is. I don't know if it's just because we're obviously you know in our in our mid fifties here, but the older players, the ones that you just mentioned, had character, were characters. You know, right. made 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 the viewing of poker a lot a lot of fun, and you know, no disrespect to the younger group of players, it's just a different style of play that they have with the hoodies on, with the earplugs in their head, them looking at their phones or their laptop or their you know their their pads. It, you don't get to really they don't let us get a peek inside of who they are. You know, we don't get to see their character too much, at least not at the tables. And I don't know, that to me lends itself to a little bit more boring poker as a, yeah. as a viewer. Well, it, the uh, nominations for the Hall of Fame from fans uh, is uh, available right now. Go to WSOP.com. And it's unclear as to exactly when they'll, uh, since there's no November 9 this year, they're not, they can't wait till then, so they're going to have to get that done That's a lot earlier. That's another thing that you're going to miss from the November 9. I, I, absolutely. I, I like the build-up to it now, and, and it was such a nice little, you know, you, you made it into an event with the Hall of Fame and everything else out there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, obviously last year Carlos Mortensen got in and uh, Todd Brunson. Uh, but there's only been a couple people from outside of North America inducted. Uh, Sir Edmund Hoyle, and was the first uh, who the card inventor, Cards. obviously. And uh, Mortensen was the second uh, that was actually a, f- a foreign player that was inducted. So there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, you know, people are pulling for. Uh, people are coming back for nomination again. Guys like uh, Devilfish, David Ulliot, uh, Chris Bjorn, and some of those people, Max Pescatori. Uh, so there'll be some new players available uh, that are available this year. Uh, people are wondering: the, the, uh, Is the field? You have the field announcement? Well, there? It, just no. They have not exactly uh, run that down yet, but uh, just starting on uh, WSOP.com. But uh, you know, people wonder if there's players like uh, you know Howard Letterer or Annie Duke or uh, Chris Ferguson that, that have been tainted by some of the things in the past. Uh, you know, whether they'll ever get a chance to get in, but. Um, you know, you wonder about a guy like Mattiso. Is he possibly going to have a Hall of Fame shot? Um, I, I, my personal belief, you know, and I, like I said, I believe he will be in the Hall of Fame, you know, in the near future. I honestly do. Um, you know, I don't know about Chris. I thought Chris Ferguson and Letterer would have been slam dunks until the Hall of Fame, until, yeah. you know, what happened and their names got dra- dragged through the mud. And, um, you know, uh, they're going to be, I think they're going to be like uh, Shoeless Joe ja- uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe Jackson. Or, or even Mark McGuire. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, or Mark McGuire. They're going to be tainted with, with the, Roger Clemens. you know, they are going to be tainted with, with what happened there. And <sighs> I honestly can't see them getting in there. Yeah. Gus Hansen falls that. in that category also. It looks like he's going to play the main event this year, first time in a while. So, uh, Anyway, so it looks like Phil Ivey is a possible slam dunk this year, but we'll keep you updated on what comes out of that. So uh, 
That's going to about do it for the program. Uh, no new uh, results out there from Vegas, but we'll be uh, updating those results next week. Uh, also, we had to pass on the um, the balance, the family life, and that sort of thing, but we'll try to get to that next week, and uh, obviously plenty more things still to come. Uh, what's happening over at Dania? Uh, you're Changing up the the promotions a little bit on, uh, you know, starting on July 1st. We had been given away at 5 o'clock till 11 o'clock, odd hours, uh, 500 every 15 minutes for high hands, and the even hours, um, 300, um, you know, up to 11 o'clock. Now that's going to be from 5 to 11, 300 for the first 40, you know, 15 minutes, and then the last 15 minutes of every hour, it's going to be 600 an hour. Okay. I mean, uh, 15 minutes. So, they're Excuse me, they're changing up a couple of a couple of uh, scenarios there. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that changes. We're hoping that changes everything. So, okay, that's going to do it for the program. Uh, no updates. Uh, we know that Will the Thrill is still in there, and Maurice Hawkins will uh, report on that next week. But that does it for the show for this week. Uh, Geo, thank you for everything. Appreciate it as as usual. And uh, have a great holiday, Joe. Uh, coming up. Thank this week. you, guys. Both of you guys too. Um, actually. We may be going to tape it the day before. We may be taping our next show before the 4th of July. Okay. Main event just around the corner starts uh, July 8th, and uh, and lots of stuff going on out there still in Vegas that we'll report on next week. We'll catch you with another show next week here on Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.